In this episode of Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, Sarah Sullivan discovers as a little girl that her mother's threat assessment radar isn't as tuned into danger as she thought it was. We both kind of locked eyes and went, oh no, no, this is, this is dangerous. And Taryn Hughes saves a bundle on her hospital bill by delivering her own baby by herself in a truck on the way to the hospital. My husband is, you know, flight medic. He's like, oh no! <laughs> Mom's Improv, up next on Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. I'm Rob Prince. In a somewhat belated honor of Mother's Day, we're featuring two stories about Alaskan mothers on today's episode of Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. Moms can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned, but sometimes they do have to improvise a little, and sometimes that improvisation takes the form of straight-up bribery, as we'll see in our first story from Sarah Sullivan. She shared this experience of maternal improvisation at our February 2022 live event in Fairbanks. I am the daughter of a very anxious mother. And it wasn't that emotionally disconnected anxious where she would hide in a room or keep us inside. She got us outside. She took us skiing and camping and hiking. But there was always this very panicked amount of love involved in everything. She was our wiffle ball pitcher and she would stand there and throw the ball at us, and then duck. <laughs> and, but she came by it honestly. My grandfather was in the US Navy. He was a medic, and he served in Guadalcanal. And then he came back and got into the insurance business, and he was an insurance adjuster. And so every day, he was dealing with everyone's worst possible scenarios from fires to floods to accidents. And he would take those home and then try to teach his children how to keep themselves safe, which eventually just created terrified children <laughs> who then went on to become terrified parents. We grew up with all of these crazy kind of different rules. I mean, we knew helmets safety vests, all of that good stuff in utero. We knew that before we were even born. We're talking about other level recommendations that some of them we never quite figured out. We weren't allowed to go to the fair unless we wore long sleeves and long pants. And my sister and I have still tried to figure out where, what happened that made us have to wear this full bodysuit to go just to the Tanana Valley State Fair, and we kind of went, germs, germs? Do you think like, disease on, I don't. And she goes, do you think accident? Like sharp metal flying? And we still don't know, but we figured both. He probably saw both. My mom's probably envisioning both. But I wasn't an anxious kid. I, I love to sled and I love to get outside. And my mom knew that was kind of a reward for me. And so sometimes when she would have classes at the university. She was going to school to be an elementary educator. She would take me to like a class or two and she usually would reward me with something like, okay, we'll go sledding. If you sit through the class and you're really, really quiet, I'll take you sledding. And 
So one day I was off school and she had a class to get to, so I sat patiently in class and I knew I would probably get a sledding ride after that. But she was also smart enough to know that if she walked me to the bigger hill, I was going to spend a lot of time there. And there was a hill kind of right between the Patty Center and the dormitory where at the time there were no signs or anything that said, do not sled here. <laughs> so it was like, you know what, one quick run, you'll be okay. So she looked around, because she's very anxious. And she went, oh, you know, if you go down this hill, it's very possible that you could slide into traffic or slide into the parking lot, and a car could hit you. And I went, you're right, Mom. You're right. So she said, we've got to put something there so you don't slide into traffic. I'm going to park the car <laughs> at the bottom of the hill so you don't slide into traffic. And I said, sounds good, Mom. I get my sled right in. And my sled was amazing. It's, I've never seen them made since, but it was just this sheet of plastic that would roll up into like a tube, and it was buffed on the bottom, and it was really fast. I, I've looked for it for my children, I can't find them. I, I sort of understand why they don't make them anymore, but you know, it's, it was, for a kid, it was perfection. And so I start tromping up the hill, and I'm imagining myself flying down this hill, and, and you know that feeling when you stand on top of a sledding hill, and you look down, and everything looks really small, and I remember seeing my mom kind of standing in front of this green Volkswagen rabbit. I just kind of went, well, that doesn't look right. Like, but, you know, mom worries about everything for me. So I get on my sled, and I just take off down that hill right towards her. And in a moment, we both kind of locked eyes and went, oh, no, no, this is, this is dangerous. <laughs> this is the worst. But my mom was super active with us. She was excellent. And those years of wiffle ball practice, she knew what to do. She spread her legs, and she got into a pitcher's stance. And I was too panicked to do every, anything. So I'm just holding onto my sled, flying at my mom, who's getting ready to either tackle. I wasn't sure. I was just, mom's got me. I just had to know mom's got me. And she's right up against the back of the car. And right at the last moment, as I'm flying right at her, she catches my face. <laughs> And my legs fly underneath her, my underneath hers, my sled goes forever because it's awesome. That's what it does. And she's just holding me by the face. And I just look up at her and she looks at me and says, don't tell your dad. And I look up and I pull out my baby tooth. <laughs> and she looked at me and said, do you want a Happy Meal? 
And I said, yes. <laughs> and she said, well, if you don't tell your dad, I'm going to get you a Happy Meal. <laughs> that night, I had a Happy Meal. The Tooth Fairy came, 50 cents. And I've realized now, because I'm a mom, and now I am a very anxious mother. <laughs> very anxious. And I'm doing the same things that my mom did, that panicked love of just trying to let your kids be free, but also keep them as safe as you can. And I've learned that the best thing you can do sometime is just say, do you want a happy meal? <laughs> Sarah Sullivan. She shared that story live on stage at our February 2022 live event in Fairbanks. This is Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, the Mom Improv episode. I'm Rob Prince. Women are always talking about how difficult childbirth is, but how hard can it really be if you can do it by yourself in the front seat of a truck? Well, we're about to find out from Taryn Hughes. She shared this story at our March 2019 live event in Fairbanks. And before we begin the story, you should know that the baby in question is on stage with Taryn while she tells the story. I'm Taryn. This is Esme Louise. She fell asleep just in time. She fell asleep just in time. So Esme joined our family on December 12th last year, and she does join a big family. Robert was telling the truth. I have five children from my first marriage. We were Catholic for a minute. Um, <laughs> so for about 10 years. So uh, she has 11-year-old twin sisters that live here with her, as well as an 18-year-old older sister who's about to graduate from uh, Lathrop very soon. Um, and a 20-year-old brother who lives and works in Girdwood, and a 15-year-old brother who lives in Delta with his dad. This is the story of her birth. Um, it's a very vulnerable story that's close to my heart, um, shared with my wonderful husband, Ben, who is a flight paramedic, and that is very important, and you'll soon learn why. <laughs> um, so it does actually start on a dark winter night. So December 11th um, of last year, I was about 10 days past my due date with her. Um, I had been to the doctor on Friday, and I was two and a half centimeters dilated. By the way, buckle up, this gets pretty detailed. <laughs> so be ready, be ready. <laughs> um, I was two and a half centimeters dilated on Friday, and I was so excited. Um, I called out of work. I said, I'm, this baby is coming this weekend. I, I can feel it. I just know it. And uh, early labor started on Saturday. And early labor looks like this. You pace. You have contractions for about four or five hours. You lay down because you want to take a nap because you know that a baby is coming soon and you're never going to sleep again. <laughs> and then your contractions go away. So that went on for about three days. On Tuesday, the 11th, it was much the same. I'd been pacing and resting, and my husband had gone on leave as well, so we were just kind of waiting, and I had been nesting. The nursery was ready, the bags were packed, the house was spotless, the tub was clean. I don't know why that's important, but cleaning your tub when you're nine months pregnant is really important. I don't know. So <laughs> everything was ready, 
and we were just waiting. And so my husband had kind of began his nesting, his big like final push before the baby. Um, and he had hauled and stacked about a cord of wood that day. And then he decided to replace our refrigerator. <laughs> so, <laughs> which it needed done, you know, it needed done. So he and his brother, they're both big dudes. They had muscled the old refrigerator out into the yard like a sled, just kind of shoved it out into the yard. And it was like upended sideways and full of snow and the doors were flung open. But the new one was installed and that was great because it had a water dispenser and whatever. So he's arranging magnetic poetry. And it's about, yeah, you guys know what that is. We have the pirate and the come on set and I highly, highly recommend that. It's like, I just want to fight a cluster of mermaids. Yard, it's great. Anyway, so he's, he's doing his magnetic poetry nesting and I'm pacing and it looks kind of like this. You know, I'm, we have a very open living room, kitchen area and I'm pacing and I stop and I have a contraction and I look out the window and I'm like scowling at this refrigerator. I'm like, oh, you have to get that out of the yard before this baby comes. And then I'm sweeping up wood chips, and then I'm pacing, and then I'm stopping to scowl and contract, and then I'm sweeping some more. That went on for about two hours. So at about, I think it was about 10.30, my timeline is kind of off, um, I decided that it was time to go to bed and try to get some rest, and hopefully the contractions would stick around, and they did, fortunately. So about midnight, we decided to go into the ER up to OB triage, and at this point, my contractions were pretty intense. I had, you know, you go from being able to talk and tell your husband to get the refrigerator out of the yard to <laughs> not being able to talk at all. And that's where I was at. And my many past experiences had told me that that meant good things, that I was, you know, progressing and we were gonna have this baby tonight and I was gonna be done incubating a human and she would be here. So we go to the hospital she checks me and she says, you're two and a half centimeters. But I can feel her head, you know, I can feel the bulge of her head. Okay, great, I'm still not dilating. So we walked the hospital for a while. My husband actually used to work at the ER as well, so he knows the area very well and he found the longest, straightest hallway. So I'm pacing and I'm kind of power walking at this point because it's turned into this weird, like, competition with myself, like, this baby is coming. Damn it. So, you know, I'm, I'm stopping and I'm holding, FMH has handrails all along the walls, which is amazing for women in labor. And I'm holding on and I'm crouching over and the nurses coming by are giving me reassuring glances. So I'm like, this is happening. Even they know, nurses know. So we did that for about an hour and a half. And we go back to OB triage and guess what? Guess what my least favorite number is? Two and a half. You're only two and a half centimeters. I'm on the monitor and she's saying, you know, your, your contractions are not, there's no decelerations, which means the contractions aren't helping the baby's head engage in the birth canal. So basically they were like, well, we can check you in at five centimeters, four centimeters, but not two and a half. So you can go home, you can come back in the morning and we can break your water. And at this point I'm so, okay, how many of you have been sent home from the hospital in labor? <laughs> she gets it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're ready to play the game and they put you on the bench, <laughs> except you're in a lot of pain on the bench. And so, you know, we start to head home. I decided I didn't want to be on monitors. And my husband, I think, God bless him, he thought he was going to take a nap. So <laughs> we get in the truck 
and we start to head home, and I'm just in tears, just demoralized, and I'm, I, you know, we live off university, so we took Davis Road, kind of cut through that way, and it was snowing, and I was really not in a good mood, and I wasn't being very nice. Now, I wasn't yelling or cussing, but I had that church mom, like, talking through your teeth thing that you do. I was like, can you just not hit the bumps? I know. <laughs> I know you can't see them, but can you anticipate them just a little? Like, <laughs> slow down. <sighs> I'm not kidding. So we get home. <laughs> we get home. And he's very kind. He drew me a bath. And I start to kind of mosey on to the bath. And he lays down in bed because, again, he thinks he's going to get some sleep. <laughs> so he's... <laughs> I think we were both relying on the nurse's, you know, intel. Like, hey, nothing's happening. Go home. So, you know, I'm still crying in the bath and feeling sorry for myself and having contractions. And the water helps, so I calm down a little. And then I get too hot, so I get out. And I get in bed, I join my husband, and I have, have you guys ever heard of pregnancy pillows? They're like gigantic, the size of me, they kind of, I highly recommend those if you're pregnant. Um, they're great, but my husband called it the Great Wall, because it was just <laughs> like he was on an island <laughs> over here, so I'm kind of cuddled up to the Great Wall on my left side, <laughs> and he's over there somewhere, trying to sleep, and <sighs> my contractions got pretty bad, and then my water broke, which was, huge, you know, it's, it's like redeeming, like something really is happening. You guys don't know what you're talking about. This baby's coming. But in the back of my mind, I was like, but they said I'm only two and a half centimeters, so I have so much farther to go. And if I go back to the hospital and get sent home again, I don't know what I'm going to do. So even though my water had broken, even though I was starting, I was shifting from like not able to speak to grunting and like trying not to push, I still needed someone else to tell me that I should go to the hospital. So I look to my husband and I say, Ben, what do you think we should do? And he's like, well, I don't know. You're the one who's done this five times. <laughs> so it turns into this, and this is another sign of active labor, transitional labor, where you start to like, argue with people over nothing. And I'm like, I does, that doesn't matter. Every birth experience is different, and I need you to empower me in this moment. I am incapable. <laughs> I need you to make this decision. And he's like, well, I want to sleep. I think we should try to sleep. Because she said, <laughs> she said two and a half centimeters. And I'm like, but I know, but you don't understand this. Ooh, you know, so he's like, well, F it, we're going. So he start, he's putting a pair of his pants on, and this is where it gets detailed. I, I warned you, you've been warned. There was you know, fluid just coming out of me, and we get to the, the man door going into the garage, and I'm kind of holding open the door, and he, I look over, and he's in the bathroom, like brushing his teeth, because, again, like he's been a flight medic for, gosh, I think almost 17 years. And the one thing I've, I've learned in my relationship with him is that when a baby is born in transit for flight medic, flight crews, or any kind of emergency transport crew, it's not a good thing. It's like, no, something went wrong. You didn't give him the right drugs, or some, something went wrong. So he didn't, doesn't have a lot of experience with the whole process of labor and delivery. So he's in the bathroom brushing his hair and like brushing his teeth, and my daughter comes out, my 18-year-old, because my grunting had woken her. 
And she's like, do you need me to grab a towel or something? <laughs> Should we take this to the bathroom? And I'm looking at the floor in the entryway, and I'm like, this floor is entirely too dirty to have a baby on. And I don't want to clean my bathtub again. <laughs> so <laughs> we got to try to get to the hospital. So he comes out, and I said, I had, I, weirdly, I had checked myself um, for dilation, which I don't know what that feels like. I just know what it feels like to be trying not to push a baby out. And I, I had felt her head, but so had the nurse at the hospital, so had my husband, because he's able to check for dilation. What I had failed to mention to my husband was that when I felt her head, I felt her hair. <laughs> not like a bulge of a head, but like, uh, like this fuzzy stuff. <laughs> so, so we get in the truck, and he's like, we can make it, we can make it. And we start going down the drive, and I'm like, man, I'm trying so hard not to push. I just, but two and a half centimeters, there's just no way you go from two and a half to 10 in like 15 minutes. That is unheard of. Well, I guess not, I guess it's not. I just didn't know. So I'm doing this thing, I have my pants and I'm like pulling them down and this is the dialogue in my head. My pants go down and I'm like, she's coming. And they go back up and I'm like, no, you're being dramatic. She's coming, you're being dramatic, she's coming. You're being dramatic, stop it. And so I'm doing this all the while my husband is kind of trying to get to the hospital and it's like four something in the morning, Wednesday now. And we're going down airport, we turn left from university, the light was red, of course, because that light is always red. <laughs> but he kind of, he did the, the dude thing and he ran the light, kind of looked, both, oh no, it's coming, okay. So we get through Washington and it's green. We get to market and I'm not even kidding you, the light was red. You know how those lights work, right? Like, I think, this could just be me, but I think they stay green unless there's some, especially in the middle of the night, unless there's someone on the crossroad, right? There was the most bent over old dude I'm not kidding, on market in an airport with a cane. <laughs> I'm not kidding, it was like something from a Pixar movie. <laughs> he's bent over this cane and he's like slowly walking across <laughs> like that. And I'm like, you've got to be shitting me, this is not really happening. <laughs> like, I looked at my husband and he's like, this is nuts. And he was going so, maybe it was because I was in transition, but he was going so slow. So that was the moment that I knew I was not a drama queen. This baby was coming. And sure enough, we get, I don't know how many yards past market. An old dude is looking over his shoulder because my husband had veered around him when he finally cleared our vehicle. He's like, I think he got a show. Because by that point, my pants were kind of down and I felt her head come out. And thankfully, she was face down. And she had a long cord. There were no cord issues. I was able to kind of get myself in a better position. And the rest of her came out, and I'm not kidding, I caught her like a football, like this. So both hands forward like this. And... <laughs> My fingers were curled around her collarbone, so kind of on her shoulder blades, and I just turned her into me, just like a football. Um, and she latched onto my left side right away. My husband is, you know, flight medic. He's like, oh! <laughs> she's here, she's here, I kept saying, she's here. <laughs> and then, okay, the medical training kicks in, he's like, okay, 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 she's there's steam rise. It was like I plucked her out of Sheena Hot Springs. Like, <laughs> Cause it, I mean, it, 
was 12 below that day, and our car, we keep our garage barely above freezing because you don't want to spend that money on heating oil, right? So just cold enough to act as a second refrigerator. So, so anyway, there's steam coming off of her, and he's, he throws me this, because I was sweating when I left the house. I didn't have a coat. He tosses over this wool coat, this wool jacket that he was wearing, which we still have, by the way. And he's like, wrap her up in this. So we wrapped her up, and I got her under my shirt. And she was warm, and you know, she was nursing, and she was completely healthy, thank God. Very happy, nursing baby. It was like nothing had ever happened. She was like, okay, where's the milk? I'm going to sleep now. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was great. And so we get to the hospital, and we pull up, and he goes in and gets a gurney, and he said something to the staff in there. I later, he was like, my wife just gave birth in the car. I need warm blankets. That's a dude. So he comes and he taps on the window, and I'm sitting in the car, covered in birth. And I'm holding her, and I'm blissed out, right? Because what a cool story. And I was so vindicated, you guys. I was like, I was right, like beyond, I think even more than I was happy that she was finally here, I was like, I knew it. <laughs> so he taps on the door, and I'm kind of like, he opens it, and he's oh, like attached to this baby like a telephone. I can't, move, I can't walk. And so by this point in time, the OB staff and the ER staff had, there was just, it was like, you know those like Grey's Anatomy, they're all out there like ready. And he finally is like, okay, I'm gonna pick you up. Okay, I warned you. He picks me up, all this afterbirth, all over, all over the seat of the truck, all over, it was like a murder scene. So there's that. It gets worse, okay? <laughs> You thought that was bad. You should just leave right now. <laughs> so they're all standing out there, and we both work for the same company. I do business development. He does flight medicine. He does the cool stuff. But I see these people all the time in the ER, in the ICU, and otherwise. And so beyond the fact that they'd all just seen all of my business, my husband being the ever-vigilant um, practitioner, he's like, he reach, looks over into the passenger seat, and he sees what he thinks is like um, like a detached piece of the placenta or something, which isn't a good sign, and he picks it up, and he's like, you guys, is this a, oh, I think this is important, but no, it's a turd. <laughs> then he says, the ravens will get it. <laughs> I'm really sorry, FMH. I'm really sorry, Ravens. I swear to God, I'd take a shovel with me when I camp. <laughs> Give us this one, one time. This one time. It was an extenuating circumstance. <laughs> so, we get up to OB, and they were amazing. They kept joking about how they weren't going to be able to charge me for a full birth. That's right, I should have gotten paid by my insurance company for that. <laughs> Um, they were wonderful. The triage nurse came in, and she was deeply apologetic. And I told her that, you know, I've done this before. I made the choice to go home. I decided to fight, you know, my intuition with fear. It was my fault, not hers. And, you know, when you're in a learning environment like that, not all of your experiences are going to be those glorious, um, uplifting ones. You have to learn from somebody. And I'm okay with being the somebody. It was fine. They took great care of me and she was back on OB triage the next day. So kudos to FMH. They treated me very well. <laughs> yes. Hello?
supposed to talk a little bit about what we learned. I learned a couple things. I learned to trust my intuition. In my case, um, my contractions. <laughs> I learned that the hard way. I learned that um, experiences that aren't ideal make for great stories. <laughs> and if you ever need an automotive detailer, I know a guy. <laughs> Thank you. Taryn Hughes. She shared that story at our March 2019 live event in Fairbanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, the mom improv episode. Today's episode was edited by myself, Rob Prince, story consultation by Lori Neufeld. Remember, these are the stories we tell up here in Alaska on Dark Winter Nights. I'm Rob Prince. <laughs>